0: You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. My name is Eric Hag, I'm one of the elders here of Elevation Community Church. Thank you for joining us this morning. And it is it's an honor. Kind of an overwhelming honor to be able to kick off this little sermon series for Christmas called Christ, Christmas and the Church. I'm going to say some things today, and I don't want you to take them as condemnation. I want you to take them as a challenge. And I think that maybe not often enough in in the ecclesia in the body of believers. Um, Perhaps we don't always do a great job of challenging each other in a godly way. And um, iron sharpens iron. And and that is what we're called to do, not in a malicious way by any means, but out of love in a way to grow, not just to grow together, but primarily to grow in the likeness of God and to really plug into him in a deep way. In preparation for this message... um, for a long time, I really wasn't sure what the message would be about, and I prayed about that a lot and sought the Lord, and he's always good. He never fails to reveal. It was revealed to me in a conversation I had a few weeks ago with an elderly gentleman in my neighborhood. Um, he's a widow, he's a stroke victim. He um, doesn't get a lot of visitors, and I don't visit with him as much as I would like to. He's a believer. He knows the Bible um, probably better than I do, maybe better than some of you, um, but he doesn't like Christmas. Not only does he not like Christmas, he doesn't think that it should be celebrated, and He he's very strong convictions about that, um, and he challenged me to search for the truth in that. I think a lot of this man, and thought, you know, why not? Worst can, can happen is I'll find truth. That's what we should all be seeking. So I sought God in this, and I sought the scriptures, and I sought historical texts with the question, is Christmas biblical? Is Christmas really Christian? Now, I ask that question to some folks, and they say, well, we're celebrating the birth of Jesus, so of course it's Christian. Of course it's biblical. One of the things that this gentleman challenged me with is, God didn't say to do that. God didn't tell us to celebrate the birth of his Savior. Well, that's not refutable. One of his other charges against Christmas is that its basis was in a lot of pagan ritual. So I said, okay, I will, I will plug into that as well both in the scriptures and in historical texts. So I was was curious, in our celebration of Christmas and what it looks like today, is there more evidence of pagan influence, or is it primarily a genuine worship in response to the birth of our king? So I kind of started at the beginning um, with a lot of conversations I've had with folks over the years that say, yeah, well, Jesus wasn't even born on December 25th. There's, there's no way to prove that. And if you look at a lot of anecdotal evidence, it probably wasn't December 25th. Well, the only absolute truth that we can find is in scriptures, and, and there's really nothing in scriptures that tells us Jesus' exact birth date. So I suppose I would probably have to align with that. And the fact Jesus' birthday was never celebrated until the year 336 A.D., So, in pursuant of some other biblical truths here and and what evidence we see in our Christmas worship and celebration, I thought, well, where is the pagan influence here? So, the first thing that came to mind in my research was um, winter solstice. So, nothing necessarily pagan about winter solstice, it's simply an acknowledgement of a measurement of the shortest day of the year, least amount of daylight. However, in ancient times, and even unfortunately still today, as I found out, there's a lot of pagan rituals surrounding winter solstice. And this just looks like a bonfire with some folks gathered around it. Um, but in a lot of the sources that I sought, this is actually part of the ritual. I won't get into the details of it. But they... Winter solstice falls on our calendar on December 21st, and there's a little bit of evidence to indicate that in the Roman calendar of that age, when Christmas was first celebrated, that it actually fell on December 25th. We can't really prove that exactly, but it's worth mentioning. Now, the pagans that celebrated winter solstice they actually believed that in the winter time that the reason why it got cold and dark and I kind of laugh about this but it's because their sun god was weak and sick now I, I find that funny because the god we worship never does either of those two things so why in the world would you worship a god that has the ability to grow weak and sick but I digress So, they believed that if they worshipped in this season, if they worshipped hard enough, that their worship, whatever that looked like, and it wasn't pretty, that it would actually bring health to their sun god, and he would get better, and the days would begin to lengthen. That's what they believed. And then there's Saturnalia. Okay, so, Saturnalia was another holiday season. The thing I found interesting about the ancient pagans is um, they were just looking for a reason to celebrate something. It didn't really have to make any sense, but they did it. So Saturn was their god of agriculture. I'm a farmer, so I can kind of relate to that, but that's not how this works. So their celebration of Saturnalia Um, It started on December 17th, and some texts say it ended the 23rd or even on December 24th, interestingly enough. So during Saturnalia, basically it it was a bit of anarchy. It was a bit of a flipping of the script for Rome at that time. Slaves were freed, and they actually ate at the table and were served by their masters, That's all right. That doesn't sound too bad. However, um, other celebrations of Saturnalia involved gambling, drunkenness, orgies, gluttony, and are you ready for this? Gift giving. Furthermore, an innocuous Roman citizen, somebody that was just an everyday guy, he would be named Lord of Misrule. Lord of Misrule, So this guy got to be king, basically, of, of all this debauchery for the celebration of Saturnalia, and basically everybody had to do what he said. Pretty cool deal for him. Except, on the last day of Saturnalia, may have fallen on December 24th, the Lord of Misrule was sacrificed to the, to the god Saturn. It didn't end well. So I think we have a pretty clear conscience for most of that stuff, but Saturnalia is still celebrated, and I found this graphic on um, ways that folks could celebrate Saturnalia. So I was like, well, that's, that's worth a read. Use of the traditional greeting, I owe Saturnalia which means Hail Saturn. I think I can check that off my list. I'm probably not going to be doing that. Feasting with your friends. Okay, well, let's go on. Uh, Exchanging gifts like food and sweets. All right. Um, Lighting a candle. I think we do that. Maybe for a different reason, but they light it to signify light returning after the solstice. All right. They also say that Saturn is the Lord of Discipline, and that you should set goals for the new year. We don't do that. We have resolutions. It's different. <laughs> so in my research of this, I went from expecting to be able to easily refute the allegations that Christmas is pagan to I started getting concerned. So another celebration that happens at about our Christmas season is a celebration called Dies Natalis Solis Invicti. Now this one happened on December 25th. Now, um, Warren will probably correct me on this later because he is multilingual and I only took zero years of Latin in school, so my Latin's not great, but I think that's how it's pronounced. The pronunciation is not nearly as important as the translation, which is "birthday of the invincible sun." So it was worship. This was a particular day of worship for again their sun god. Okay, it only lasted one day. Thank goodness. But that day was December 25th, and it was worship of their god's soul. So. I thought, well, okay, what does that mean? And I looked into it a little farther, and the name Constantine comes, to, comes into my research. Now, there he is. Um, best picture I could find of Constantine there in that sculpture. But Constantine was credited, he was Roman emperor. Sorry, that's an important thing to realize here. Constantine was a Roman emperor, and he was credited with the first celebration of Christmas, and I thought, well, that's fine. That's not a bad thing. We know that at some point, Christianity became the state religion of Rome. And as I dig into Constantine a bit more, uh, he was raised pagan. Well, shoot. Okay. Now, Constantine declared that Jesus' birth be celebrated on December 25th. There's never anything I could find that he had any kind of divine revelation that that was indeed Jesus' birthday. So he literally invented Christmas. Constantine invented Christmas, merging many already established pagan traditions with the celebration of the birth of Christ. But why did he do it? Well, he's not around for me to ask, so the best I could do was to dig around in the dark corners of the internet some more and and see if I could find anything that seemed reliable. I don't know if you guys have ever been on the internet, but it's a strange place. (laughs) Some things you read on there and you're like, well, that's silly. That's clearly wrong. Some things you read on there you're like, well, that's believable, but it still could be wrong. So why did he do it? Well, you read the proponents of Constantine's Christmas and the detractors from Constantine's Christmas, and the detractors seem to say that Constantine tried to mainstream his faith. He eventually did become a Christian, and he was trying to mainstream Christianity into Roman culture by making it more appealing to pagans. Is there any evidence that the church, the Ecclesia, at times, mainstreams their image to make it more appealing to pagans? Perhaps Constantine lowered the standards of his faith. We'll come back to Constantine here in a minute. I want to pause and I want to look at some of the most prominent images of our Christmas holidays. And the first one is that I'm gonna bring up here is the Christmas tree. Now, Constantine didn't invent the Christmas tree. The concept of bringing evergreen trees or bows or wreaths into the home um, definitely predated Constantine's life even. Many different cultures did this. They were all pagan. And it looks like a nice decoration. There's no harm in winter decorations per se. But I think it's worth a look at what these pagan cultures believe. Like, why did they do it? Like, we know why we do it, I think. Maybe we'll walk through this today. But why did they do it? Well, they believed that these evergreens would keep away illnesses, ghosts, evil spirits, and witches. I not that kind of seems like witchcraft to me in and of itself. And they did this as part of their worship of the sun god. And if they were Romans, they were worshiping the sun god soul. So I searched the scriptures about this, and I found that God spoke directly to Israel about this issue through the prophet Jeremiah. I've got this on the screen, and I even used the King James Version just for posterity, just because I didn't want anything to get lost in translation. Perhaps I should have used Hebrew, but my Hebrew is even worse than my Latin. Thus saith the Lord, learn not the way of the heathen, and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven. For the heathen are dismayed at them. For the customs of the people are vain. For one cutteth a tree out of the forest, the work of the hands of the workmen with the axe. They deck it with silver and gold. They fasten it with nails and hammers that it move not. Let's soak on that for a second. Here's what God said to Jeremiah. Don't be like them. Because they don't pay any attention to me. Their customs are a waste of of time. They cut down trees from the forest, and they bring it in their house, and they decorate it with silver and gold. And they nail boards to the bottom of it so it doesn't fall over. I did that. Amen. Amen. Family, again, this is not a message of condemnation. This is a message of taking an audit of our faith and what we're doing. Not for the sake of of feeling guilty, but for the sake of let's love God and let's honor him. Old Santa Claus. There's another mainstay of our Christmas season. Now, I think a great many of you, maybe most of you, know that the folklore of Santa Claus actually originated from a Christian monk in Turkey named St. Nicholas. and that is exactly what he looked like in the upper left-hand corner. (laughs) I have no idea, but uh, I googled pictures of St. Nicholas, and that one seemed pretty all right. (laughs) Um, By all accounts, St. Nicholas seemed like a great guy. Um, gave a bunch of his wealth away, particularly um, during the winter season when things seemed to get hardest on the citizens, um, gave away his wealth, gave gifts. Um, I even heard one account that uh, there's some debate on if it's true, but um, seems reasonable. Um, there was a man who was a widow, and he had, I think, three daughters, and he owed money. Um, he couldn't pay that money back to the debtors, so the debtors gave him X amount of time to pay that money back or they would start taking his daughters into slavery. St. Nicholas caught wind of this and um, paid that debt off. I would like to believe that's true. I want to fast forward a bit into 1822. An Episcopal minister named Clement Clark Moore wrote a poem titled, An Account of the Visit of St. Nicholas. Now, I think most of you would probably recognize that poem by its first line, "'Twas the Night Before Christmas." So my problem with that is here is a Christian pastor who took the memory of St. Nicholas and twisted it into a cartoon A fat man driving a magic sleigh with flying reindeer that would break into your home every year. That was a Christian pastor that did that. Now before that, St. Nicholas was just a model Christian. Now he's a model of a secular holiday. Well, what's God's response to all this? What's he think about it? Is he angry? Have we lost our salvation because of what we're doing? Is he about to turn us over to our enemies like he did Israel when they were like the heathen? I grieved that for a while. Church family, I believe that within most of our lifetimes, we're going to see a third great awakening. I'm not a prophet. I just believe that, and I'm praying into that. And I believe that there's going to be a revival, and we saw the tremors of it this past summer all around the country. But I think God is pursuing us in such a way that he's trying to shake us up and get us to drop everything that doesn't matter and pick up everything that is his now was god mad about christmas or was it his idea now again the internet is a place of truth half truths and lies But in my prayers and my research, I believe God had plans for Constantine. I think that when Constantine was a pagan, I think Holy Spirit softened his heart. And I think God used Constantine. And I think that's biblical. I think we can find examples of that in Scripture. I think some of you might even raise your hands to think back when you were pagan and God softened your heart. Constantine converted to Christianity in the year 312. Now, this happened just before a battle. As Roman emperor, he was also responsible with leading his military into battle. And Constantine, in the the softening of his heart that Holy Spirit did, he saw that these pagan gods that had been worshipped for eons, they were inconsistent at best that most of the time they failed to deliver on the things they promised. Now, Constantine was very aware of the Hebrew God, and he was very aware of Jesus. After all, his government played a big role in the crucifixion of Jesus. He wasn't ignorant to that fact. But in his softened heart, as he realized that these pagan gods um, weren't getting it done, he thought, well, let's give Yahweh a try. So, in the best way he knew how, Constantine prayed to God en route to this battle, and in route to this battle, he was given a vision. He saw in the sky a cross, and written on that cross was a message that said, by this symbol, you will conquer. And Constantine knew what the cross was, and he knew what that meant. So from that point forward, Constantine committed to only worshiping Yahweh, and Constantine was awarded that victory, and in his mind, that was confirmation that he was on the right path. After that battle, Constantine became passionate about Christianity and received a full conversion. Constantine flipped the script on what was pagan Rome at that time, and he used the Roman treasury to build churches and to give freely to those in need. And Constantine met regularly with the high-ranking bishops at that time, doing all he could to help advance the church. And as we know, and I've mentioned earlier, he even made it the state religion of Rome. Was it perfect? No. But I can think of another biblical character who went from persecuting and murdering Christians to being Christ's biggest advocate... We call him Saul, but more lovingly referred to as the Apostle Paul. So what I've just, the picture I've just painted to you about Constantine, I think, is very reasonable. Furthermore, I'll go ahead and say that Christmas was a mission effort by Constantine to hit the pagans right where it hurt the most, and their disgusting, filthy worship and I believe Christ- Constantine's plan was for Christianity to overshadow paganism to the point that it cleared the house of all of these nonsense winter festivals and plant God's flag in that season. And I think to rob the date of December 24th, 25th from the pagans, I think was the biggest slap in the face. And I think it made perfect sense. We went from the birth of the invincible, invincible Son to celebrating the birth of the Invincible Son, S-O-N. Now, that would be Dies Natalis Filius Invicti, the birthday of the Invincible Son. Can I get an amen on that one? December 25th was no longer the celebration of an invincible star in the sky. It was now a celebration of the Christ. Yes, he was dead and in the grave, but we know he didn't stay there. This isn't a resurrection message. I better back up a minute. Now, the earliest recorded celebration of Christmas was in the year 336. Constantine's conversion was in 312. Constantine worked for 20-some years before he got it done. Do you know when Constantine died? 337. Mission accomplished. I believe that God said... Well done, my good and faithful servant. It's time to come home. Church family, just because something was, doesn't mean it is. Just because December 25th was a pagan holiday, doesn't mean it is anymore. I asked permission from my my dear sister Sherry To share this testimony, um, many of us are familiar with the exchange, and a lot of us are probably aware that the exchange wasn't always a place of ministry, but it was a bar. I know it. I do too. I I don't remember meeting you (laughs) there. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands for folks who've seen the inside of that building prior to its rebirth, but Sherry shared with me. One time, one time when it was Elmer's Club or Gators, one time she laid her hands on the outside of that building and prayed that God would shut its doors. Didn't happen right away, but it did happen. And then our, our friends down the road at the NAS, they reopened it as a place of ministry. Is the exchange a bar? Can you go there and... Do dumb stuff? It's not, is it? It's not a bar. Used to be, it's not. I'm looking out into the sanctuary here and I see a bunch of temples. Was your temple ever used in pagan worship? You don't have to answer that out loud, but I want you to think about that. I know mine was, it's not anymore. Amen. That should be the most obvious one. Why didn't I think of that? Amen. (laughs) Here's my point, family. We were all sinners. We've all been saved. Everything's been repurposed. God's a great recycler. However, however, that fact that we are to celebrate until the end of our days Does not give us permission to look like the heathen. Family, we should be set apart. Speaking of Paul, he said in his letter to the Romans Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, Paul wasn't talking about Christmas, but I think this scripture certainly applies to any time we receive any kind of revelation. Don't be conformed to this world. The world's heathen. We shouldn't look like it. But we should be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Well, how does that happen? First, you have to receive truth. And then that truth renews your mind. Set you free. Amen? Yeah. And once you receive that truth that you accept, now you can discern what is the will of God and what is good and what is acceptable and what is perfect. Amen. Church family, don't believe anything I've said up here today. I'm just a layman. But I want you to take some of this, take it to Father on your own. A Christian celebration of Christmas shouldn't look like the non believers' celebration of Christmas. Folks, I just think there should be some obvious differences. It's not enough to keep Christ in Christmas. That cliche runs around about this time every year, ironically. That's not enough. Like, hey, Jesus, we're celebrating Christmas. Here's your spot. We got you here. I can check that box. I kept him in Christmas. That's not enough. It's got to be the priority. Otherwise, your celebration of Christmas looks like the pagans more than it looks like a Christians. You've got to make him priority. Well, what's that look like? Well... If we love Jesus and he's the reason for our season, we shouldn't have to wear a shirt that says that. The folks around us should know. Take that for what it's worth, whatever it looks like for you. Let's audit this. Where does Jesus rank in our household celebration compared to Santa Claus? Are you doing Advent with your family if you've got littles? We are, and I'm not saying that to beat my chest. I'm saying that because I can tell you that sometimes it's messy. We've got a six-year-old and a three-year-old, and, and we do Advent. We, read, we do the, the blocks, and we read the Advent story. And there's times I'm like, well, Shannon, we just read that to ourselves. <laughs> oh, well. They do. They hear it. And I know they hear it because they tell us. In the Advent story, the version that we read, it was talking about Adam and Eve got basically kicked out of the garden because they rebelled against God. And James, my three-year-old, my three-year-old said, yeah, because of the snake. <laughs> okay. Okay knows more than I do. I didn't really, I couldn't have articulated that when I was three. My point is, it doesn't have to look perfect. The only place that your family's celebrations of Christmas look perfect is on social media. Just do it. Are you reading the Christmas story scripture from Matthew and Luke? Do you have a nativity display anywhere in your home? Do your kids fully understand the reason for the season or do they more readily identify with Santa versus Jesus? Now, I get it, man. It's challenging as a, as a Christian parent to, to raise Christian children so that they understand why we're supposed to be set apart. It's hard, man, it's hard. All the shiny stuff, all the fun stuff, it's challenging. And I'm not talking down to any of you. I'm preaching to myself too. I'm preaching to myself that I lead my family well in this. So I've got a great accountability partner named Shannon. <laughs> Pray for her. <laughs> Failure is not an option in this mission. Constantine didn't fail, but it took him 20-some years, didn't it? Failure not an option how we raise our kids through this. But their faith and their futures are worth the difficulties. And again, I'm not, I'm not telling you that you're wrong. That's not my responsibility. It would be wrong if I did that. I'm not telling you how to live your life or decorate your house or how to celebrate the season. But if you felt convicted this morning about anything, don't respond to me. Take that to Papa. Search the Scriptures on your own. Get on your face in prayer. And use your, the side of your bed as an altar. See what Papa says about it. And if you don't receive any conviction, that's fine too. Keep on. Merry Christmas. <laughs> if the band could come on up here, I thought they had slid in behind me. I'm sorry. I'm going to pray us out. God, thank you for this season. I can't thank you enough for what you've done for us. If there's even a shred of truth into what I've said about Constantine and his efforts today, Lord, thank you for that. God, the most that I could ask for anything that I say to anyone is that it would draw us closer to you. Anything, anything that we stack up between ourselves and you is is just junk. It's just junk. God, break our hearts. Break our hearts for you. Not because we're necessarily wrong, but gosh, we can't fully come to you like you want us to with any sense of pride at all. Break our hearts, God. God, help us to not just keep Christ in Christmas, but to make Jesus our priority this season. In your righteous and holy name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly impact Bible study podcast as well. Both of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.